Okay, welcome to Barrel Chair Podcast. Nami here with you again. We're in a different studio again this week, but it's a pleasure to be here. T-Bone to my left. Hello, T-Bone. G'day, Nami. Always a pleasure to be in your in, in the studio. And today, I guess we're in a virtual uh, environment today. Usually, we're in the shed quarters and yelling up, but a little bit different, mixing up a little bit different today. Yeah. Tell us who, who what legend we've got on this week, mate. Well, mate, I had a, I was watching his uh, latest uh, film uh, last night, and it was absolutely crazy. It, what actually really caught my eye was this guy pulling in into the biggest wave at Nias, and I love Nias, and it got me hooked into know a little bit more about this fella. He's uh, he hails from South Africa, big wave charger, loves a good juicy slab. Um, Cup well, start. <laughs> Cup start. That's Cup right. Start. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Matt Bromley. Thanks for having me, boys. You welcome, mate. Thanks for joining us. It's stoked to have you. We are. Uh, we had another big wave charger, uh, also a former Billabong. You, you surf for Billabong, don't you? Yeah. Another former Billabong team rider in Laurie Towner. Had a bit of a chat with him. So we're doubling up on the Billabong absolute crazies this week, too, mate. We are, yeah. mate. We are. It's, it's that season. Laurie's a legend. So how's life been for you, mate, over the last couple of months? I, I, I can hear the young one in the background. I, I take it you've been, you guys have been busy? <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we had a baby four months ago now. Um, it's been amazing, but lots of challenges. Um, uh, and, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been incredible. Unfortunately, he's a bit rowdy this morning, so hopefully he doesn't uh, – He's not too much in the background, but yeah, we've just, it's been a whole new chapter. Like riding big waves is such a, a unique and incredible challenge. And um, this has been, whew, sometimes it's just as tough or even harder, <laughs> I reckon. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So for the folks who don't know much about you, Matt, whereabouts did you grow up and where are you, where are you living at the moment? So I grew up in Cape Town, uh, South Africa, and I live in a little town called Komiki, um, which is towards Cape Point. And yeah, it's such an amazing place to grow up because it's got um, really good kind of um, like a poor man's trestles is the main spot. It's called Long Beach, good for high performance surf and bred the likes of Mikey February and a couple of the top South African contest surfers. And uh, then there's just uh, good outer reefs all around. There's slabs. We've got some of the best beach breaks in the world, just walking distance down the beach. And then out on the on the outer reefs is Sunset Reef. Across the bay is Dungeon. So, to, um, yeah, if you want to be a big wave surfer, this is one of the best places in the world to grow up. We've we've had a few folk on the podcast that have visited Cape Town and surfed the Crayfish Factory. How, how do you actually rate that wave? Do you, do you surf it much? Uh, the crayfish factory, I would say it's like a good stepping stone to get to the bigger stuff, but it's, it's not, it's kind of like a, I would say like a bad version of Haliva maybe, <laughs> uh, but it does get pretty big. It gets like 15 to 20 foot sometimes, but when it's like that, then dungeons is, is huge. So wow. yeah, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good wave like to, to, I guess, get comfortable in bigger surf. Uh, it's got a bit of a slab on it. Um, but like a lot of the waves we have here in South Africa or in Cape Town, uh, you you try to pull into the barrel and it just pinches you. It's just so unpredictable. Uh, it's wild down here. Epic, mate. 
Hey, uh, so firstly, congratulations on the release of Over the Edge. Uh, watched it last night. Absolute ball terror. So sick. It really did make the hair stand up in the back of the neck uh, at the start. Um, yeah, it was an amazing story. Uh, love to know, um, you know, how long was the making of Over the Edge? Because obviously you cover a lot of different countries um, in that hour. It's amazing. When did it all start and how long did it take to pull together? No, thanks for watching it, man. Really appreciate it. Stoked to hear that. Been in the making for it was in the making for three years, mm-hmm. um, and we it was supposed to be a, a year project. We didn't get you with whenever you're making like a, a film, especially with bigger surf, you 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 have these ideas and the storyline, but the ocean always has a different idea. Um, so dungeons didn't even break pretty much the whole like for the first year or so, and. We extended it another year and then suddenly COVID hit, which extended it a further year. Um, and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to to be able to go to Jaws for that last kind of hero session in the, in the middle of COVID, um, end of last year, last year, December. And that, that finished off the film nicely. But uh, yeah, it was, it really, <laughs> it, it took three years of just watching swells, Speaking to Andrew, the guy who made the film, he lives in Australia, um, in um, uh, Sydney now. Um, so he's he's like Russell Burke's former guy. He's made yeah. a lot of his stuff. And um, yeah, he's an incredible filmmaker. But every time there was a big storm, we would be, cha- we would be talking to each other, um, weighing up all the elements. And then when it was going to produce big, gnarly surf, we would we'd book tickets and, and meet up wherever the waves were going to be. Mate, it's quite fitting how I guess it starts sort of at dungeons and and listening to some of the guys on the film that that describe dungeons and it's like, geez, you know, no, thank you, <laughs> you know. To to, I think one of the guys described it as it instills terror. Uh, <laughs> tell us about your first experience out at dungeons and and who actually did you go out there on your own steam or did someone drag you out there? How was that? So. Dungeons is one of the the scariest places. I feel like if you can kind of get Dungeons wax, you can you can go and surf Jaws and Mavericks and those ways because the the area where the wave can break is the size of two rugby fields or something. You're surfing in front of these cliffs, so you can't really get a lineup. And when you're out there, it just feels so raw and scary and unpredictable. You're surfing off Seal Island, so you're aware that maybe there's some sharks around and it's it's the whole aura around it's really terrifying and i i heard about i knew about dungeons obviously growing up and then when i was 17 i heard there was going to be a big swell there so i ended up borrowing um a board from my friend dougal who's got some of the interviews in the film and then a a, like a 15 foot leash and i just felt like this equipment it felt like huge and just unfamiliar and then uh, a lot of guys they, they hike over uh, the sentinel which is that that big mountain peak and and down and then they paddle out across the channel of seal island and fortunately i didn't have to do that for my first time um <laughs> I, I i just went into the harbor i saw a twiggy in the harbor and he said to me yeah it's looking great for your first time it's maybe like 12 to 15 foot so i jumped on uh, i jumped on a boat um and we just we went out into the deep uh, and didn't really take time to suss out the lineup, ask people about the dangers or anything. I just jumped straight in, went, paddled to the peak. And uh, then the horizon went dark and this big set pulled in. And like at Dungeons, it's scary because you can see um, there are these two rocks, like a few kilometers out to see that break. 
when, when a big, big set comes and you see the horizon starting to cap and you're like, oh my gosh, like what is coming? <laughs> and uh, I was greeted with my worst nightmare, this like 20 footer just standing up over me and I was not equipped to to deal with all that adrenaline and, and I didn't, hadn't done any breath work or anything and I just felt the fear, panic taking over my whole body and uh, I dove through the first one, I got through the back and then it just was pulling me, my board was pulling me backwards back into like the danger zone and I remember trying to get my board back and looking behind me and there was an even bigger one behind it and I went through like five of these these monster waves and um, I felt like if one of those had pulled me backwards over, I could have been close to drowning because I, I, I was just like overwhelmed with panic and <laughs> it was just the worst experience I'd ever had, worst nightmare. And in that moment, I thought, yeah, I'm, what's that? Were you wearing a vest? One of the- I didn't have a vest, no. No, okay. No vest, no impact vest. I was really, really unprepared. Um, so yeah, I thought big wave surfing is not for me. I'm just going to get out the water, started paddling back to the boats and, um, on my way there, another really big set pulled in, it broke over the crowd, but because I paddled wide, I was just in the perfect spot for that, that one wave. And, and, and I, and I ended up catching it and, and riding it, like just going the fastest I'd ever been. I pulled out and all the boys in the boats were cheering for me and, I remember when the, when the photographer showed me the photo, I was like, oh, I can't believe that's me on that wave. And I just got so psyched. And then I was kind of, it kind of set the tone for, for me. I'm like, I want to do this big wave thing. That, that really was the shift from just right at like the contests and the barrels into going into big, big waves. Did you do much competitive surfing as a junior before you got into big waves? Or? I did. I actually had my most success um, I, I did a contest at Curl Beach, the Teenage Rampage in Sydney, and I ended up winning that. And I got a 10 in the final. That was like my, my greatest uh, achievement in the contest. You <laughs> must have done a big punt in a <laughs> No, just some, some backhand cracks, eh? Nice, nice. <laughs> Four to the beach. So I did the comps till about, yeah, uh, through the, the junior years. And then about the age of 18, 19, 20, I started to veer off more into free surfing. So just going back to dungeons, um, who were some of the sort of uh, pioneers of, of dungeons? Because I guess in the mid-90s, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know if anyone had surfed it. So who sort of pioneered dungeons, do you know, and sort of paved the way for you um, the guys that come through? Yeah, I mean, there were there was a bunch of dudes a long time ago. I think it was guys like Pierre, um, Pierre de Villiers. Um, just some of the, like the old blokes were, I guess they were just looking out and seeing these huge waves breaking out in the middle of the ocean. And they're like, let's go give that a crack. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the first stories was they went out on a boat with like, I think they had like six sixes or something. <laughs> and uh, they didn't realize how big and gnarly it was, and they were totally undergunned, and they had to go and reassess everything after they they, they were out there. And because you can't catch a wave out there unless you're on like a nine foot board or bigger. Um, and yeah, so those guys were so gnarly. And then and then after that, well, maybe similar time, um, some of the dudes like Glenn B and Pierre Duplessis started uh, towing in at Sunset and Dungeons with the rubber duck. Um, and that, that was when Laird, Laird and them were towing, started towing Jaws. So they were p- kind of pioneering tone surfing in South Africa on, on the big outer reefs. And, and the cool thing was that was sunset was their main wave that was in front of my house. So 
I'd come in from school and I could see the dudes riding these monsters out front. And I was like, Ooh, that's sick. I want to do that one day. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Speaking of toe, I mean, you obviously love paddling by the looks of it. Um, have you done much towing surfing? I haven't done too much towing. Um, the whole focus is always around paddle. Um, I think there's such a place for towing surfing and big slabs and, and really big wild waves like Nazare. But um, yeah, paddle is the challenge and paddling is, is, is insane. And uh, yeah, I love, I love my whole focus is paddling surfing for sure. Mate, it looks like, um, you know, just switching back to the film and when you go to Jaws, um, firstly, trying to go down the cliff face in dark is, is, <laughs> is madness, mate. I'm not sure how you managed to find your way down there. Now, when was was that the first time you've been at Jaws? Have you been at Jaws a few times before that? So I had, uh, um, I've been there a couple times um, and I used to always go to surf pipe. Uh, and then the the focus st- uh, shifted to jaws. Um, that that morning it was pretty nuts because um, I flew over from from Oahu to Maui to serve jaws, but then they called the contest on, and I was like a, an, I think I was like second alternate for the comp, but they had already kind of filled all the slots, so I had like. I think I had like 45 minutes from first light before the contest was going to start. So I went down the, the cliff in the dark and I, we, we couldn't find the path and then got down there. And then I, I, I paddled into the lineup and I was like, I think I was either by myself or there's one other guy. And then just like the hugest bombs coming in. And I was like trying to, trying to make sense of a lineup like that. And you got like half an hour. It was, it was really scary. And that's when I, I wasn't in the right mindset and I pulled back on that one crazy one that just freight trained down the reef and spat. And, um, Gee, that was mental. Yeah. Now, I know that you sort of uh, be a dirty on yourself for pulling back on that one uh, during the film. You sort of mentioned it, but I watched that really closely today um, in between <laughs> not working. And Matt, you would have got absolutely chewed up by that thing. <laughs> I don't know if we'd be speaking to you right now. <laughs> that thing just went top to bottom from the very get-go. I don't know. It yeah. spat so yeah. much. Yeah. No I know. That, that one. I think from where I was, it, maybe you couldn't make it, but if you were a little bit down the line and you could have got in somehow, like that was one of the most incredible waves I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. But I probably would have being pushed into the into a hole in the reef and got stuck in the <laughs> reef or something what's it what's it like trying to get waves out at jaws i mean we spoke to we had twiggy on uh, a few months back and uh he said obviously it's ruled by the locals what was your experience out there trying to pick some of the bombs out the back when you're sitting out the back with some of the uh, hawaiian guys i mean i think pipe is totally ruled by the locals pipe you don't really get waves but jaws, I feel, is a little different, especially when it's bigger. You, um, it, when it's like, when it's fifty foot plus, you, it's it's insane. Like all the top dogs are there, and a set comes, and everyone just looks at the wave. They're like, Oof, not going on now, and that's too heavy. So like a lot of the a lot of a lot of it is there for the taking if you want it, um, or you're just in the right spot, the right mindset for that particular set. Um, so I find Jaws is easier to get waves in a place like Pipeline. Um, there are a lot of local guys out, but there's a there's I think there's a much greater sense of respect out there, Jaws, because um, um, w- anybody who's out there in the lineup, you you have to be kind of gnarly to be 
out the back waiting for a big one because <laughs> um, there's no there's no in between you're either going to get the, the ride of your life with the worst beating of your life or you're not going to catch a wave um, that's kind of what Jaws is like and oh it's 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 amazing being out there in the lineup like with all the history of it with from lead towing it back in the day and you look in and like you just this like um the, the the mist from from all the explosions of water it's like all around the cliffs and um oh it's it's insane and 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 when you when you see a, a wave like most big wave spots are just like a big peak and then it ends but it jaws you just see this wall that's stretching 200 meters to the channel and you're just looking at this thing and it's starting to suck off the reef. You look over the edge, you just see like the size of a rugby field sucking back off the reef. And you're like, the whole, it's, everything's just upscaled and so heavy. And, and when you see a wave break down the reef and barreling and the explosions coming out the back, it's so intense. Like everything about it, it's incredible. What are they, what's the bottom contours like? Is it big coral heads, like uh, big rock heads and stuff like at Pipe, or is it more sort of flat? I'm not too sure. I think it's flatter, like um, maybe more like flatter lava. Well, pipes also lava, but pipes got that uneven, all the caves and stuff. Whereas I think at Jaws, it's more um, layered maybe. I know there's a finger that goes, so the North Peak at Jaws, there must be a finger of reef that goes quite far out because the big sets break way further out. And then if you're sitting more towards the channel in the West Bowl where like I'll be laying them sit, it must get deep, very deep quickly off, off the back of that because big waves come in there, but they don't really rear up until they hit the reef and then they're like bottom out and barrel there. So I reckon there's a finger going far out to sea on the North Peak and then very, very deep off the West the West Bowl. I guess you know. But if you're hitting the reef at Jaws or you yeah. know about the reef at Jaws, then you're in serious trouble because <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> it would be. Mate, there's been some serious injuries um, out at Jaws, you know, um, over the years. Um, and how you were describing Jaws just sounds petrifying. Um, you mentioned in the film you love to push the boundaries and go over the edge. How did you how did, did you grow up that way, that you had the mental sort of capacity to, 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 to take off on 30, 40-foot bombs, or is that something that you sort of worked up to and got mentored, or you just had it from day one? How did you build yourself up um, to take off in such big ways like that? I think in, in contrast, I'm like a pretty risk averse person and um i don't i mean i i feel like i'm i definitely do take big risks in surfing but in general life i'm very risk averse and and pretty conservative um i think it just was uh i just really like pushing myself in 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 the realm of surfing and constantly seeing seeing challenges and big waves as an opportunity for growth instead of a threat and constantly pushing myself it was definitely like stepping stones like in Komakiha we've got great stepping stones from the small waves up to the outer the big the deeper outer reefs and constantly trying to put myself a little bit out of my comfort zone pushing the 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 fear boundary back constantly constantly and um and yeah I've also got a very analytical approach so like every time I'd go to Hawaii or dungeons or sunset i didn't really have one particular mentor but i would always really take note of what people were doing like if twiggy was at dungeons i'd watch exactly how is he paddling into the wave where is he sitting what's he doing and and try really build up like um build up 
confidence through through knowing like uh, just know, like taking control of all the factors that you can control because uh, obviously there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can't control when the waves get really big um, but trying to be as prepared as possible um, now having a baby even being even more prepared uh, and um, yeah also I, I, when I'm out there and the wave, waves are really big and scary I feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be I feel like this is what I've been created to do my faith plays a big role in just like the sense of purpose, like this, I feel like I've been created at this point in my life to ride big waves. And I do get really, really scared. Um, like from when I see the swell, you have like a week and a half, you see this big red blob coming and I just, I get so scared and I'm just fighting the fear back and it's just a mental battle all the way. But then so often on the day, I have my little morning routine, my little prayer time and everything. That's when I just start to feel that confidence and that, that, peace and that purpose and and often when i when i'm standing on the rocks at say jaws and i paddle out i feel like this deep sense of confidence and i'm like let's do this <laughs> let's do this um you mentioned just previous just before about where albie layer and those sort of guys sit it does seem to me just watching that you you are sort of on that bowl a bit are those guys have they sort of given you any any sort of um i guess mentoring or any sort of assistance in how you ride the waves over there um, they're not they're not very eager to dish out free tips. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the got, time you got Twiggy will, though. <laughs> yeah, Twig's also not dishing out too many tips, but <laughs> but he, like he your does. Own, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I um I do uh, I just kind of like go up to the I, I i i just ask i think some people don't ask many questions but i try and ask the dudes i'll be like hey what are you lining up with or whatever you know and um especially say a guy like twig i'll go sit next to him and chat to him and what see what waves he's looking for what's he um where's he lining the lineups out of jaws are so critical like to know that you're in the right spot for for a good wave and um yeah it's it's, it's interesting out there jaws there is there's a big like where LB and them are sitting is like maybe 150 meters away from where other guys are sitting on the North peak. So it's a really big playing field. Um, it almost looks like they're in a different, they're surfing a different wave and the wave comes in when it comes in from the West, it's a totally different angle. Sometimes sitting out on the North peak, you don't even see the West bowl coming in. And then you just hear like screaming and you look there and you, the explosions and then Albie's just had a huge barrel or something. Yeah. Hey, um, just switching to equipment, and I noticed in the film you had Lyle Carson. Um, does he make all your big wave boards? And, and if he does, what, what's your typical uh, board that you'd, you'd use for uh, Jaws when it's sort of, sort of over 25 foot? Um, I, so mostly, so Lyle has been shaping my, my Jaws boards in the past. Um, that last session I had out at um, at Jaws in the movie was on a DVG. So Dave from Ginkle, okay. he's my local shaper. So all my my short boards, barrel boards, guns in South Africa are all shaped by him. And I'm I've been working with him now closely to try get like the Jaws gun. It's really tough though because Jaws is so much bigger than all the other waves you're riding. So the boards you need need to be way bigger. And then I, I take like so I'm riding like a ten two out at Jaws now. Um, but I take that board out here in these waves and it just feels like a huge boat, yeah. but then, but then you take it out to jaws and then it feels like good. Um, so it is quite tough to get the equipment, right. 
Um, so yeah, working with DBG, working with Lyle. Um, so I've also got uh, been working with Lyle to kind of go a little bit shorter because my he actually the first board I got from him he actually tricked me because I had this I told him like I don't want it too big but he likes shaping big boards so he wrote like 10-2 on it and then after I had the best season of my life it was in the El Nino year um, and and then after that season he's like you know your board is actually 10-8 and it was <laughs> four and a half inches thick or something and it felt like a big board but I think psychologically, if I knew I was riding like an 11 foot board, I would, I would have been nowhere. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to go shorter, closer to 10 um, lots of paddle volume, but, um, but then still trying to keep the rails slightly more tapered so can get on the rail as quickly as possible and pull up into the barrel. How many liters are your boards? Um, I actually have no idea, to be honest. They're probably, the Jaws boards are probably around 90 liters, 85 maybe. Mm. When, mm. You, um, when you went to Mavericks, I, I noticed you jumped off on a whiteboard and uh, it just looked like you were just getting a nice little chip in into Mavericks. Is it a totally different takeoff scenario with Jaws and Mavericks? Mavericks just looked like you seemed to glide into them, whereas Jaws, you're obviously battling with, looks like a yeah. lot more elements there. Did, yeah. you switch, did you switch the boards around to suit each one? Yeah. yeah. So everyone always goes shorter for, for Mavericks, um, especially if you're sitting near the bowl. The bowl is so steep at Mavericks, um, and it breaks in exactly the same place, that bowl. So you don't need a bigger board to really chase chase it too much. You just you need to get under it. So I think like the good size at Mavs is like a 9296, right. uh, whereas at Jaws pretty much everyone is riding over 10 foot um, except I think Olby rides like a nine or maybe a Jaws, but he's, he's doing a bit seven of four. Yeah. Bef- before he's I get seven to... four. No, I'm joking. Um, no. <laughs> before I, the Mavericks, though, I do want to ask you on the, on the first wave that's in the, in the movie, you're sort of on the inside and there's um, who will henceforth be known as the Scorpion on his backhand just gets absolutely drilled. And just looks like he's kissing his feet from behind himself. Um, do you know who that was in that wipeout? The Goofy Footer, <laughs> the Scorpion. Wait, in the beginning of the movie? Yeah, you, 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 your first wipe out at Mavericks. There's a Goofy Footer drops drops. In oh, the sorry, at Mavs. Who is that dude? <laughs> Mate, it gets so. Um, looking at it right now, I'm having oh. I'm having an absolute blank on his oh. name. Oh it just sort of skips on his back. Yeah, back, backwards. <laughs> he's he's, um, he's actually one of my mates, but I'm having a total blank on his name. But um, yeah, he he um, he was in out there in like a, a spring like a spring suit impact yeah. vest and was freezing. Like I was in my four three booties and hoodie. He's just a he's a madman. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think yeah, that's. That yeah, shame. I felt so bad. I was like, he's a local there, and I was just on his inside. I think I had a much better paddling than him, and yeah, you did. He was a bit stuck yeah. in the lip, and he just got absolutely toasted. His board doesn't doesn't um, come too far away from hitting you as it goes over the lip too. So uh, I, I still can't <laughs> believe you actually you actually rode out the wave a fair bit before it exploded on you. There seemed to be quite a few people out in that session. How long did it take you to get a wave out there? What's the what's is everyone pretty cool in the lineup or you sort of got to sit and wait? And So I probably surfed for about 
five to six hours and got like four waves maybe it's one session wow yeah just go and you just go totally burn yourself out go because i'd also just surfed jaws the day before so you're so tired and you haven't had any sleep you fly over on that on that red eye flight from jaws and you get there in the morning to mavericks and then it's just uh, all the it's you just like send it as hard as you can for like five hours and then after that you're absolutely toasted um, but yeah, at, at Mavs, there's a, quite a bit of water moving and there's a lot of like people paddling into the peak. So it's like, it is quite competitive. I feel maybe even a little bit more, more competitive than Jaws because like everyone's paddling into that small area. Um, yeah, so Mavs, it, it, I do find it tricky. But again, if there's those bigger ones coming throughout the back, then it makes it a lot easier. You can sit further out. Um, and not, there's not as many people sitting on like the second ledge, which, which has got more of a chip shot. And I don't know if you that one big wave I had it was a yeah. super easy takeoff because mm. I was sitting out the back. I was trying to follow Pete Mull around. He just seemed to know exactly where that pinnacle was because, oh, it was it was so hard to find them and he was just like sniffing them out and getting them. And yeah. So at the back, there was much easier to get one when they came to you. So that, that Maverick session, that was uh, the Hawaiian season before the last one. Yeah. So we actually, um, for the film, we, so there was the, the session um, that was, I think the beginning of end of 2019 there was there, there was actually two sessions mixed in to to that uh, Mavericks one, okay. um, and then the one really big one I had, which was the big easy chip shot, that was from December twenty twenty. Um, uh, that so yeah, it was two different swells, but uh, we we mixed it all in for 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 the story. <laughs> okay, artistic license, we'll call it there, Matt. G'day, T Bone. How are you, mates? G'day, Adzi. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, mate. Uh, you want a beer? Ooh, yeah. What have you got there? Well, mate, I got a nice cold can of Cheeky Monkey Brewing Company's West Coast IPA, 6.5%. Where'd you get that, mate? Well, funnily enough, I was just up at the Cheeky Monkey Brewery production facility in Vass, in the industrial area up there, and, uh, mate... Not only are they making bulk amounts of quality beers and canning them up, but you can sit down, order a little wood-fired pizza, and uh, get a frothy one out of the keg straight off the wood, mate. Jeez, Adzi, that sounds like an endorsement deal to me. Well, a matter of fact, it is, my good friend. Uh, I'm proud to announce that this next episode of Barreled Surf Podcast is brought to you by the good folk at Cheeky Monkey Beer. It's a quality local brewery here in the southwest, just like us, and it's pumping out some delicious frothy beers. Wow, Adzi, it sounds like you sold yourself out for a couple of beers, mate. Of course I bloody have, T-Bone. You should know me better than that by now. <laughs> but uh, not just any beer, mate. It's got to be a cheeky monkey. Once again, we're back in the studio, the shed quarters, and I think that Adzi's got a, little, a special little treat from Forrester Estate Wines. Yeah, mate, just uh, like to throw a shout out to Forrester Estate, Estate uh, mate, 20 years strong in the southwest of WA here. That's uh, two decades. That is, that is two decades, mate. Uh, they've jumped on board to support Barrel Surf Podcast, and mate, uh, me mate out there, Riley's just given us a quality 2019 home block Shiraz. 
Uh, it's got a bunch of medals on it, and it just won the best Shiraz at the Royal Perth Show. So uh, I don't know how many wines are in there. I think it's 780. But I could be making that figure up. But, uh, mate, it definitely won the best Shiraz. Nice. And, uh, mate, Forrester Estate are awesome. They make bloody good wines. They're supporting us. So if uh, any Barrel Surf pod gurus out there are uh, looking for a red wine, next time you're in the Bottolo, go for some Forrester. Hook into it. Yeah, we just watched. I should mention to the people listening where we're actually we've got the video, the movie uh, on whilst we're talking to you. So we're sort of watching some of the waves, describing oh, them. Oh no way, sick! Um, which is awesome for us. It's no value for yeah. anyone else listening, but <laughs> gives us a, a bit of a um, a bit of a look into exactly how you're describing. Yeah, that that chip shot with wave is amazing. So um, I don't. Yeah, I like a chip shot on a yeah. four to six foot wave. I don't know about a. 26 foot wide but yeah that's that's a great one um and then it was a couple i think it was like a month later when pete mull got that like that that wave is surely going to be the ride of the year when yeah i mean he had a little bit of a chip shot that then turned into just the craziest slab but he managed to get in off that back reef but the wave didn't seem to break out there he just somehow got into it and then he just did the sweeping condor into the back door that bowl and that wave was crazy incredible what's the uh Goal, goal, Matt. Do you want to get like uh, the best big wave of the year? Is that sort of a goal for you? Sure, I would. To get like a ride of the year would be that's probably the would be the, the at the top of the list. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to get a really big barrel at Jaws, and it's it's so tough. Like uh, every year, you go back there, and you get so close, and like in the movie that one wave I thought I was lining up like this huge pit and then the wave bent and it just squared me on the head and oh, just crushed me. That was heavy. And, that was um, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's the one that shoots me out in front of it in that first jaw session. And then the, in the last jaw session, the hero session at the end, I did the airdrop and I thought like, I looked at that wave. I'm like, okay, this is the one. And as I started paddling, the wind just got under my board and I was too deep. And, and then the lip just also again landed straight on my head. So it's a lot of trying. And I think as a, the guys who live at, at Jaws, they know exactly which wave is going to do the thing. Like you can see Billy and Kai and Dorian. They like, when they lock in on a wave, they know what it, it's going to be really good. Uh, I think for us foreigners coming in, we we still trying to. It's such a fast learning curve. You you, you pull in like you, you haven't had your session there in like a year, and then you yeah. go try and make sense of these huge waves. It's crazy. Um, but the goal the goal is to get a really really big barrel out of jaws, and yeah, there's there's so many. There's when you're out there, you just see the most incredible big barrels. Like people can still do so much more out there. And, yeah, um, yeah, it's really exciting. Mate. Just watching that wave right now, actually, Matt, um, where you're sort of winding up and you, instead of sort of, obviously, it looks like your fins are not engaging and you're just sort of almost going backwards on that wave. Um, it does seem, watching you, Seth, that there's a certain amount of chaos with the way that you ride the waves. It's like a, a <laughs> my care factor is zero for my own sort of safety. I'm just going to do what I need to do to get this wave. A lot of time you seem like you're sort of partly out of control, a lot of in that one, you're completely out of control, but so I don't care, I'm going it. Watching it, I know yeah. it's a different way, that's there. a different one, yeah. Um, but would you agree that there's a bit of sort of a chaotic nature in the way that you ride the big waves? Um, I would hope not because I'm trying to do this, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, trying not to take risks, but 
Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like there's a fine line between, I guess, paddling into the right of your life and it being an absolute disaster. So I think like that wave at Nias that I had the steep drop that could have also just turned oh. into absolute chaos and I was holding on with my, with my toes and it all came together on that one. So, and then the one at Jaws, unfortunately, my foot actually slipped when I landed on the back on the board, my foot landed on the rail and then it sent me into a cutback. So I guess I definitely have a reel of some horrendous wipeouts and I'm trying to minimize that. And, uh, <laughs> but I think maybe that happens also. Yeah. Like arriving the night before the swell and jet lag and trying to, trying to make good decisions, but sometimes you make the, the wrong decision. <laughs> it's going to always happen. You are listening to barrel surf podcast and we have Matt Bromley on the show talking about his, uh, Recently released, maybe how how long ago was it released, Matt? So it was released uh, on the nineteenth of October. So okay, just, just week. refresh. Beautiful. We'll plug it across our yeah. channel. And the name the name of the movie is Over the Edge, isn't it? Yeah. How has been the, uh, the 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 local sort of reception, Matt? I know you've you've been playing the, the the film at the local brewery by the looks of it in Cape Town. So yeah. How's the feedback been so far, mate? That must have been a, uh, a bit of a buzz for you to uh, watch that with all your, yeah. all your, all your friends and family oh, at home. It's ex- exactly. It's one of the best feelings, like, because you do feel very lonely out on the road. And when you bring the clips and the stories back home and you show it to the local crowd and they and they cheer for you, Flap, it feels so good. And we had a, a screening um, last week, Monday, at the, the local theatre, which was really, really epic. And when you see the big waves, when you see the big waves on 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 a cinema screen, they look bigger. Uh, so that was like so epic. And then uh, the, we had the brewery screening the next night, and um, and then like the following night, we had a big surf shop screening, and we had all the grommets like signing autographs and stuff, and. Yeah, man, it's it's very very special for me to to do that and and try and inspire the dudes to 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 go a bit bigger and send it over the edge. I love it. Is there a few grommets that are sort of up and coming in the in the South African big wave space? For sure, there's um, there's a whole new wave of of young surfers um, out on the outer reefs now, and guys all getting. Um, it, it was actually quite funny. Like there was. There was a bit, I don't know what happened, but a whole lot of pool, Billabong pool vests ended up, because um, pool vests are tough to get a hold of, and a whole lot of Billabong pool vests ended up at this dude's shop um, near where we live, and suddenly, like, all these grommets suddenly had pool vests, <laughs> and uh, were suddenly hitting the <laughs> sunset and dungeons, um, but, but a lot of the dudes are, like, top contest surfers like world-class surfers and now they they're going on to the outer reefs and and it's yeah it's really exciting they're all pushing each other and causing a bit of disturbance because the, the older guys are like they've got their lineups and maybe they sit a little bit more on the shoulder and now these grommets are like snaking them and backdooring <laughs> the people but it's really exciting there's a whole lot of young dudes coming up yeah so um you know we're getting close to the Hawaiian winter in the next couple of months. What's your plans, Matt? You're going to uh, just wait for a swell? Do you plan to go to Hawaii again this year? Yep. So so um I'm really really hoping to get a spot in the Jaws contest, but I know that Ooh. it's always the numbers are very very tight. Um, but that would be so epic. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm st- I'm watching the swells. Um, 
I'm waiting for my second uh, vaccine shot before I can travel, <laughs> uh, which is like November. But um, yeah, watching the swells and this time of year, I always start to get a little bit like antsy and and because Jaws is just the, is the scariest wave of all of them, I think. And oh, it's it's really really scary chasing the chasing the swell to Jaws from, especially from South Africa, because it's 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 as far as you can travel from South Africa. It takes like a minimum of 40 hours to of travel time and and then to to go and surf big waves after that it's always like really really scary but um it's also very very exciting so yeah but so as far as competitive big wave surfing have you done much have you gone into some of the sea like the the professional big wave because the tour is yeah okay I've never been in one before. I've been an alternate for the Porto Comp and for Jaws, but I've never been and and uh, for the Eddy, um, but I've never been in the in the events before. Is that something that you'd like to do? Like, obviously, you mentioned you you came to be in Jaws. Are you chasing to be a regular at the big wave events when they do run? Um, I would I would love to be on the on the world tour, like the big wave world tour. They are that would be. That would be amazing. Um, I'm not too keen to go to where, like, I went to Nazare once and I got so smoked and that wave, the risk reward there is not good at all, I feel. Um, but if that's part of the process, then I definitely would do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, just Jaws is, is the ultimate and um, to be in that comp would be such a dream. What sort of training do you do to prepare yourself for, for, for riding waves like Jaws? Do you, do you get into much training? Yeah, so um, most of the training is is uh, in the pool. Um, so I've got a background uh, in in swimming and um, and water polo and kind of mixing up all those drills. Um, so I do a lot. I, I I really try and mimic the big wave environment as much as possible. So like I was training this morning, we my friend and I were doing like sprints in the pool to mimic the adrenaline, get the heart racing, and then we we're swimming underwater like pretty much as long as we can um with with the, the the that that the heart racing and i try to while i'm swimming under the water i try to visualize myself in a wipeout getting pushed super deep underwater i try to like go through all the uncomfortable feelings i'm feeling in my chest my feeling the pressure on my ears visualize just being in darkness the water around me i try to put myself in that very uncomfortable situation over and over and over and over again uh that's the closest i think you can get to a big wave wipeout yeah um and yeah i feel like that kind of the swim the swim training for me uh feels really helpful um like i've had a couple big wipeouts um around the world and 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 i just go i start counting when i'm under the water and i go back to the the training i've been doing because i know i can comfortably hold my breath for like 20 seconds with my heart absolutely pounding um, right. and that's you, you hardly ever under the water for longer than, than 20 seconds and so i always kind of go back to that and and then yeah so the that's the swim training is probably the biggest part. Also do a bit of gym work. Um, and then uh, now leading up to Jaws season, I'll do a lot of like visualization stuff and really just try put myself in that environment. Um, try and make it as real as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned 20 seconds. Is, is that because you've got the flotation vest on? I would imagine. You yeah. Stay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Without the flotation on. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
probably some of those wipeouts would be 40 seconds plus. <laughs> that's like, that's at Jaws and Mavs this last time I was there, I, ha- I pulled the vest like two, three times on two of the wipeouts and I just still stayed down for like close to 20 seconds. So <laughs> out the vest, you would be under for two to three waves. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, just on wipeouts, where, where has been, when was the last time you got totally pounded? Um, yeah, so so at Mavs when I was there in December, oh, so. um, I tried to kind of backdoor the peak on, on it's not in the film, but um, oh, I had one horrendous wipeout. Oh my gosh. I, I thought I was still on the back ledge, paddling in full commitment under the lip. And as I as I was committed, I just heard, I think it was either Twig or Kai, I just heard someone go, oh, shit. <laughs> I looked down and the bottom of the wave had gone like this, like I was behind the slab and I, uh, I was committed and I just, uh, I just pin dropped off the top and it just felt like I was flying through the air forever, landed. And then I remember looking and just, I was in this huge brown barrel. It was a massive barrel. And then I went up and the, and you know, like the silence before the wipeout, the silence was so long up and over. And then it was just very intense. It pinned me on the bottom. I was standing on the bottom. I was pulling my, pulling my vest two or three times. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got, got up after like 20 seconds. Luckily there wasn't one behind. Speaking of uh, brick, brown barrels um, uh, the footage in there is, is crazy I, I'm pretty sure you've been there a couple of times yeah I'm pretty sure I've seen a photo of you surfing Nias a while ago is that your favorite wave in Indo 100% yeah I think it's I mean if you've been there yourself like it's when you go there once it's just oh, you just want to go back eh? and mate you've probably do you think Nias I mean, it just looks like when it gets bigger, it just looks crazy Just even just make the drop, just how it sort of jacks up on that ledge. Um, what's the key to, I mean, what's the key to get into, you know, when it's 10 foot? I mean, how do, how do you approach Nias as a wife? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, normally at Nias, you're just kind of having fun. Uh, and then that that session we had in the film was that wasn't really fun at all. That was just terrifying. Like <laughs> the sets were probably 15 foot or bigger. Jeez. It was, you couldn't get any scale because no one was riding the sets. Yeah. And I just, I, I clearly remember that the, I've never seen the ocean change its face so quickly. It went from being fun four to six foot. Then a set came eight foot. Then the next set was suddenly 12 foot and doubled up like, just the craziest thing. You could see the shape of the reef, like the water yeah. drawing off the reef. That, that was the evening before. And then it literally, it like pulled a whole lot of coral heads off the reef. I went in that evening and like, it smelt like a, it, it was like all smelt fishy. All the, all the little creatures had been pulled off the reef and uh-huh. washed up into the restaurants. Like it was the whole ocean just changed in like a matter of one set. It was crazy. And then we woke up the next day and then the, the, the waves were, were huge. And Laurie was one of the dude, first dudes to paddle out. Cause I, I looked, I saw it and I thought, well, I don't know if we're going to be surfing today. Cause it looked, looked more like Mavericks almost than yeah. So it was so crazy. And then Laurie and I think Jughead were like the first dudes to paddle out. Yeah. 
and uh and and then yeah they got some waves and then we're like okay wow it's on and then paddle out and yeah oh sorry your question <laughs> I, I went off on a tangent there your, um, about getting into those waves um yeah so nias is as you know it's so deep off the back like the wave doesn't show itself until it, it hits the reef yeah. so you get that that big blob of water coming in and then as it hits the reef the front of the wave stops and then the, the back starts building on it and for a moment you almost feel like you're paddling into a bit of a standing wave um and uh yeah i just i used a slightly bigger board than everyone else i was on a six nine um like a pipe gun jeff bushman pipe gun um and most of the dudes were on like six fours and six sixes that's little Um, very small yeah because i guess because nias is so slabby even though the waves were big yeah this the face was really steep on those waves yeah but um I, I sat a little bit further out than everyone and there was also a current moving in over the reef. So I was trying to use that to like build up the momentum, sitting a bit further out, paddling early and picking the, the wave I wanted, paddling super early with like that. Yeah, just getting a strong burst of speed was definitely the key to getting in. And and then I also think the other thing was just full commitment because a lot of the waves looked pretty untouchable. Uh, well, a lot of them were definitely untouchable. I know that the guys wanted to organize a jet ski, and then they, because everyone was like, oh, there's a jet ski on the island. And then I saw a picture of the ski. There was like trees growing through it. It was so (laughs) old. (laughs) So it was a full paddle day and the sets went totally unridden. And then in between there was, there was some, some beautiful, crazy big ways, but they required full commitment (laughs) to get in. That, that, uh, that one way that you do, getting the film it actually looks quite similar in terms of the drop to the wave you you didn't quite make it at yours in terms of the just drawing backwards almost as you're taking off on it it's just such a square wave yeah it was it um it was really really steep and um i i thought um I, I was so sick. I, I remember the, the the moment so clearly as I was paddling for that wave, Kip Caddy was next to me and he was just like, he just let out this savage. He was like, oh. he's like, go oh, Bromley. And then that gave me the spark of, of encouragement. It's like, okay, cool. And then I, I, I when I was paddling uh, forward, I felt like I was in, like I was, I put myself underneath it. I was like, I've got this thing. I've got it. And then as I popped up, the, the bottom of the wave sucked away and started yeah. pulling me backwards up the oh. face. And then, I jumped to my feet and there was just air underneath me and I was just yeah holding on with, with my toes. And um, it was, I, I would have, I didn't expect to still be on my board when I got to the bottom. Um, and, and then oh, once I made it to the bottom, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is now it's game on. And then pulled up into this huge, big brown barrel. And unfortunately the wave was like maybe a little bit too big or slightly wrong angle. It ended up like closing out in the channel but the whole rush in the beginning was like it was so sick. And when I when I paddled back out, like a couple of the the boys were like give me a little cheer and a little clap, and oh, it was such a good feeling. <laughs> Did you get absolutely smashed in the barrel? Um, it was actually all right. I think if I went down on the drop, it would have would have been really bad. Yeah. Um, but I got I managed to get all the way to the end into the deep water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I popped up right next to the boats, and the boys were like. Yeah. <laughs> awesome we're just watching it now and you just like say so you make that crazy drop and then you get the photo you get the magazine cover 
and then it just runs away from you, doesn't it? There's people duck diving <laughs> through it, and then it pinches at the end. Boom. Bromley's uh, mate, So that, that dream wave is still out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, 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 yeah. And you pick up on that vibe um, from watching the film, and there's so many good parts to it. And obviously the NES one, um, you mentioned it in Jaws. So, yeah, you, you must be hungry to keep going back and keep chasing that dream wave, eh? Thanks, man. Yeah. And then also that waiver on the back, uh, Sabatia. I don't know if you Ooh. had a look at that. Ooh, what um, was that like when it was big? That must have been uh, pretty dangerous. Yeah, we went and had a look and it was it was foaming through from the balmy out. The, the horizon was just foaming through. Like, But that wave is also insane. So I think between that and Nias, yeah, there's, there's still so much more to do out there. Now, have you been to uh, Western Australia? Have you been down here? And- Sampled some yeah. of the yeah. Where we have I, it? I, um, I used to come there quite a lot when I was younger. I I, I would stay with Creed McTaggart um, and a couple of the local boys. Uh, they were, yeah, they were really this such a rad little crowd down there um, in Margaret River. And uh, yeah, just like I think that was that really helped my barrel riding along. I went there maybe from as early as fourteen to go surf the box and gas. Uh, bay um, and okay. there's so many sick waves there like oh it, it um where you guys I, I haven't been up to Narulu in that area before I really want to go there one day but you guys have got such waves where you live there hey? where are you guys based by the way we're in Dunsborough which is um okay. just north of Margaret River it's sort of half an hour north on top of the mm. Cape Naturalist so we're sort of at one end of the Cape and then Margaret's is sort of halfway down so it's a magic part of the world. We've been really blessed to be here during the uh, coronavirus, uh, that's for sure. It's, uh, it hasn't been too bad down here, you know. You can still get around and do your usual day-to-day business. Unlike yourself that you mentioned in the film, you were locked down for, what, eight, eight nine months? Is that right? Yeah, we couldn't surf for four to five months. Like, Ooh. beaches were closed. People were, like, <laughs> they were trying to do these protests and then they would just get arrested. So it wasn't even worth, like doing it and um and then yeah fortunately in still in lockdown we had our winter here and we got some some great waves out at sunset that was awesome but yeah it was all it was just very very weird like uh, <laughs> the whole the whole vibe there like people watching is is you know. that is those t- times behind now is it sort of back to so, sort of some normality now over in cape town in south africa um yeah our cases so we've had the the third wave has just passed so the cases are probably down to like we're still probably getting like a thousand five hundred new cases a day or something but most like everyone's getting vaccinated now which is great and yeah it feels pretty normal now obviously you have to wear masks still everywhere you go and we're not allowed to have like big sports games and stuff like that still um but for the most part like it, it's feeling a lot more normal now yeah awesome. and um we also just uh we we've been on the red list for a very long time because we had the delta variant here and we've i think from something like the 10th of november we're going to be allowed to travel to the states again and to up to europe and stuff like that oh, oh that'd be good i guess for yourself yeah yeah um to make traveling a little, little bit more easier would be good so she go do these mm-hmm. swell runs 
Hey, one question I wanted to ask. Do you follow the World Tour much? And you've been following Geordie and obviously Maddie McGilvray. Um, yeah. Sort of I, don't follow, I don't follow it super closely, but yeah, when the South Africans are doing well and or if it's at a, at a really sick wave, like, I don't know, Snapper or Chopes, then I'll get into it. Uh, but yeah, honestly, the the last couple of months with the baby have been pretty full on. So I've been taking my gaps more to like train and surf and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool to see Matt McGillifrey stepping up. And I was in I was in Hawaii uh, when he 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 made it through that like critical heat that he needed to at Hali um, at uh, Sunset. Classic. And um, and like came up the beach with him and cheered him and, and so I felt a little bit a part of it there and yeah that was really sick. Nice. So so yeah. what's on the cards for the next six months? I mean, you mentioned you hope you go to Hawaii. You got any plans? I mean, other than obviously be at home and look after the, the newborn and yeah. So hopefully get over to Jaws for for um, a couple of big swells there and Mavericks. Um, also I, I always do a, a trip to Ireland every year, go surf like Mullagmore and ah. I know all the local guys there really well. They, they're super, there's such a rad crowd there. They're all like, they're so underground and humble and unassuming. And then in the water, they're so gnarly, like there's some serious charges over there. And then also, yeah, maybe, um, I don't know when Australia is going to open up, but I always, I love coming over to, um, to hang out with like Russell Berkey down where he lives, um, and, uh, and Andrew and come surf some of the slabs, uh, just down south of Sydney there. Um, that, that place, that area is also incredible. Um, so yeah. And then I guess Indo after that, but for now, trying to just get the movie out there and, um, yeah, that's probably the, the main focus at the moment. Awesome. Are you doing any um, more sort of screenings up and down the coast of South Africa, mate? Are you going to do any any sort of um, sort of shows, and you're going to go up there and make yeah, it- we're going to do a couple more up in Durban. Uh, we're arranging some up the east coast around J Bay and that. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of trying to, I guess, get it out there as much as possible. And um, we're very lucky to be to be working with a, an agent in the states, so they they're trying to sell it for us to like some TV networks. And I mean, the dream would be to be on like a Netflix or something, but I know it's really really tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, yeah, just promoting the film. We actually have it's quite funny. We have a, a screening tonight where I live, but in South Africa, the the electricity is um, the power is run so badly. So we have these things called load shedding, like. So they'll just cut off the power for like two hours uh-huh. um, because there's not enough uh, supply of power. Wait. And we've just found out today that the power cut is happening from 6.30 to 8.30 when we're oh, supposed wow. to be having our, oh, our no. screening. So we're going to have to either organize a, a generator or, <laughs> oh. or hopefully they have one at the restaurant already. So that's throwing a spatter in the works. Um, Mate, for the folks that are listening, um, that do listen to this podcast, where can they find, where can they watch um, Over the Edge? How do they get hold of it, mate? Um, so on my Instagram, uh, which is Matt Bromley Surf, uh, I've got the link in my bio and I can share the link with you guys. If you can share it, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, so it's available on iTunes, Vimeo, um, Google, Amazon, like all the all the places where you can watch a pay-per-view uh, movie. Uh, yeah. It's, it's up over the edge yeah hey um mate it's epic and i sh- and, and i hope you really do get the uh publicity and, and people once people watch it they'll, they'll you, you sort of take 
you're taking on a ride um, with you. So it's an epic film. Hey, um, oh, hey one, one thing I, I, I did want to ask you, um, what other hobbies do you do outside of surfing? Um, so I actually do, before lockdown and stuff, I was super into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the UFC. So I know there's a big, uh, really big uh, fight coming up this weekend. Um, there is. So I'm just so pumped. Um, yeah, so that's probably like one of the, I love watching it. and. Um, and uh, I haven't done grab. My brother's like just below black belt in jujitsu, and he's oh, laughing. He weighs like a, 120 kgs. He's an absolute unit. Um, so when I want to try and get roughened up and get close to a jaws wipeout, I go grapple with my brother. Oh, yeah, 120 <laughs> uh, kilos. Yeah. And so, hey, so yeah. who, who have you got, Dan Hooker or Islam Makachev, the, the Kiwi versus the Dagestani? Who, who are you picking? Up that that Islam guy's gnarly man. If he when he gets dudes on the ground, it's pretty hard to get up again. So, and like I know Dan Hook is so good with his stand up game, but I think it's gonna be really really tough. <laughs> that yeah. other dude's like a, he's like a Khabib, so it's like oh, he's gnarly man. Yeah, you've got to back the Kiwi. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, Matt, who who are some of your sponsors that support you? um so monster energy have backed the the whole film they've been incredible for for three years they let it like play out and they've just been amazing um and then billabong uh and then ocean earth so you know um phil macker uh, i deal with him from yeah, ocean right. earth he's a legend uh so he sends stuff over to to cape town for me and then um also working with scoffini fins i don't know if you've heard of them and then I've got um, Jack Black, which is a beer, and that's where we they've got the brewery here and stuff. So, right, yeah, it's like um, I'm not on like huge deals, but I'm getting stuff from from all over. And Monster are very very supportive, and it keeps me keeps me doing what I love, supporting me to to chase these big swells. So I'm, I'm very very lucky. Yeah, that's that's awesome, mate. We're we're uh, we're lucky enough to be sponsored by a brewery too. So cheeky, cheeky, we've got the. Uh... The oh, beer. there we go. Yeah, we're not drinking the beers right now because it's well, <laughs> it's five o'clock, but we probably could. But um, yeah. Um, sorry about you, too, Anything, mate? We'll we'll probably let you go, Matt. Uh, I'm sure you got things to attend to, but it's been great. Thanks for having taking the time to come on Barrel Surf Podcast to talk about your new Ooh. film. Um, it's an absolute epic, and it's a definite oh, must watch you. for people who are listening. Yeah. Um, Thanks for watching it. Really yeah, two coffees. It. Take two coffees out of your your weekly uh, agenda and um, get Matt Bromley's new film over the edge. It's well worth the nine. I think it's nine dollars or something. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's absolutely bargain. Yeah. We're not. If uh, if I can just um, chip in one more thing. So, like one of the underlying messages of the film um, that I wanted to try get across is that um, everyone experiences fear, like whether you're a big wave surfer or, or whatever you're doing, and um, I hope the film portrays that like I get super scared and I feel super vulnerable, but uh, for me, it's all about kind of stepping up and facing that fear and moving through all those uncomfortable feelings um, and pushing myself over the edge of that because, yeah, I think everyone's got their big waves in life to ride and don't let the fear stop you. No, good advice. So awesome. And you, you seem to really manage it really well, though, in the film. You don't look like you're too <laughs> rattled. Um, do you actually do any meditation at all? Like, look like a Neos, you were, uh, I don't know, having um, a breath. And- I do. 
I do do a lot of meditation. It's mostly like, it's just like being still and praying um, and um, visualization. But as I mentioned, well, I didn't mention it before, but when I went over to Jaws last year, I actually <laughs> cried twice on the way over i was just feeling so rattled i never felt so raw like yeah. the one was just being stuck in california um before like the the day before the swell and being so scared and then the second time was on the morning of the swell jaws when we had just jade had just gone for the scan the first scan and i she sent me this video of this little like pea-sized wow. object with a heartbeat and i was like in my tent trying to get psyched up for jaws and I just saw the scan I just was like I just was like overwhelmed with emotion just started crying in my little tent there and it was just <laughs> then I had to go surf big waves after that it was heavy real man cry mate that's that's what we do uh, especially when our kids are involved you know it's it's an emotional thing so thanks very much for joining us mate it's been a real pleasure to have a chat with you and good luck with the movie yeah we've both watched it obviously and we thought it was absolutely fantastic so uh, good luck with it and uh t-bone oh thanks thanks again mate and uh take care look after your family look after yourself out in the surf and uh thanks, hopefully we'll see you uh maybe in wa yeah. one day chasing a few slabs over here 100 percent, man thanks so much for your time guys it was awesome cheers buddy cheers man thank you